0: The message tonight. The title, if I were uh, to title it, would be "Go." Um, I woke up with that with that strong impression. Uh, had started making some notes uh, earlier on in the week after Pastor Kent had reached out and had wanted to know if if I would be interested uh, in in delivering the word tonight and in taking this opportunity. And uh, woke up Tuesday morning and drew a big X through all of it and went a, went a different direction. And I wrote uh, at the top of my paper. Go. Go. Um, nothing, nothing that I'm going to say tonight, nothing that I'm going to share, uh, will probably be all that earth-shattering in and of itself. Unless the Holy Spirit comes and stirs this word in each one of our hearts individually and collectively as a group and as the body. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus' last few occasions that he has to spend time with his disciples. We're all, probably most of us, familiar with that passage where he says, go. Go. I've been with you for three years. You've seen amazing things. I've taught you. You've observed in me, you've been my disciples, you've followed me, you've lived with me, you've walked with me, you've done life beside me, you've witnessed my crucifixion, you were aware that I was very dead, very buried, and now here I am in Matthew 28, very resurrected, very much alive, and he said, go. The same is true for us, isn't it? You've studied the scripture. I've studied the scripture. Most of us in the house tonight, on a Wednesday night in Oakton Church, on Highway J in Lamar, Missouri, February 1st, 2023, when I say Matthew 28, the large majority of us get that. Sometimes what we don't need is just another sermon. Sometimes we need to go. It's go time, church. It's go time. So that was Tuesday morning. I started writing notes. I started praying. And I've, and I've, and I've, got, I've got plenty of them here. Um, four pages worth, in fact. All typed up, Pastor Jim... Uh, I mean, scripture references, you ought to see this thing, you know. Uh, wh- when, you're, when you're unemployed, as I happen to be at the moment, you've got time on your hands and you can do these sorts of things. Uh, I've had the opportunity to, to preach messages in other venues and at different opportunities and seasons of life in the past. And man, sometimes I'm scrambling and trying to work on it late at night and early in the morning and on my lunch break and in my truck as I'm moving from appointments. Hey, I, I had time to work on this one. Like, I sat down, my wife can attest to the fact that I have been at my desk. I have have been in the Word. There there has been opportunity for me to pray uh, these last several weeks, and I am thankful. And I found it interesting that yesterday morning, just the day before I was to deliver this message, this Word... And 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 maybe just like you are now, like I I, I was having this conversation. I'll just let you guys into into my headspace a little bit. And I'm going, Lord, like really, the Great Commission, Roger. You know Matthew twenty-eight, go. This is this is the this is what's stirring inside of me. This is what's bubbling up. This is the message. This is the passion. And then, boy, next thing I know, a few hours later, there's four pages, and I've got. I've got bullets and sub-paragraphs and, and the whole bit, Brother Gary. But sometimes, what we don't need is just another sermon. And what he told his disciples, and the encouragement that he gave to them as he was leaving, as he was departing. A really interesting thing about the word go is that sometimes it involves some Waiting. Sometimes going with God involves waiting. Now hold on, wait a second. How do I how do I rationalize those two things? How how do I rationalize Jesus, Holy Ghost, as I as I'm talking out loud here, again, inviting you into my headspace? What what is this go but wait? Because as you read on and as you understand how this story goes and how this conversation unfolds with the disciples. He's giving them a very strong admonition to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teaching them to obey all my commands, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. And I'll be with you always, even to the very end of the way, even to the very end of the age. But don't you dare go anywhere until you spend some time waiting. And I think maybe it's possible that the church, the capital C church in 2023 has done a little bit too much going and maybe not enough of the waiting. And you say, "Well, how, Jeremy, how can that be? We've got you know these churches all across America, multiple denominations, many millions of people gathering on Sunday mornings in every time zone all over the planet. Obviously, the, the church has been active. but if I'm honest with you, what I see, what I observe and what's in my heart and what the Lord speaks to me is that, yes, that's true in a lot of places on the planet today. But the American church, if we're honest with ourselves, we've gotten to be just a little bit out of touch. If you, if you spend any time talking to people who haven't been raised in the church, there's a lot of them that have been jaded. There's a lot of them that are, that are generally spiritually hungry, but they're coming at spirituality. They're coming at their version of Christianity from a lot of different angles, Brother Joel is preaching a or teaching a phenomenal class on Sunday mornings. We've been going through and we've been identifying all these different things that are out there and these different types of teaching and New Age this and modern that. So, bullet point number one: Go to God. Let's go to God first. And make sure that we've built up our house, this temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's go to God first. If we're going to be about going, church, first and foremost, we've got to make sure that our going is not done in vain. He was teaching in Matthew chapter 7. And he was, he was discussing this idea that there's going to be many There will be many at the day of judgment that will say to me, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We were going. We healed in your name. We were going. We delivered demons in your name. We were going. And Jesus goes on one step further with him and he says what's going to happen is that there will be several, there will be many that he will say to, depart from me, I never knew you. The goal, our heart, one of the things I think that I want to challenge us tonight to consider, yes, important to know God and to know who he is. But I think all the more important for us to spend some time considering, does he know us? Have I put myself out there? Have I spent time with him? Yeah, he's God. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He formed me and knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows every hair on my head. But as I've spent a lot of time learning about him and I've captured a lot of head knowledge and I can talk to you about Matthew 28, and we can go over the discourse of the Israelites, and we can talk about the first five books of the Old Testament, and I can tell you what I know about King David, and I can share with you examples from the Apostle Paul's life and his ministry, and I can talk to you about it, but can I walk the walk? And the only way that I know for us to do that is to is to spend time in his word. We've got to get to know him, and we've got to be sure. We have to know that we know that we know that in our going, that we're not just doing it out of some impression that we need to make about what the church is supposed to look like, but that it's something he's sent us to. Go, save, disciples. send. The mission statement of the church Go save disciples sin. Man, I think it's really important that if we're going to follow that continuum, man, let's get step one right. Let's, let's, let's be about the going, but let's make sure that in our going, that it's of him. Because sometimes, like I said a few minutes ago, going means wait. And, and as Christians and as, and as disciples and as sons and daughters of the Most High King, I think we've got to spend some time waiting on him because otherwise they're just, they're just good stories because otherwise I can listen to a sermon, a really good sermon that a, that a pastor could preach about, um, about Peter and about Peter and his, and his great faith to step out of the boat onto the waves. But it can just be a really good story. Or, or I can understand and I can spend time communing with him and I can have a relationship with my heavenly father such that I can picture myself in that boat. And I can begin to imagine with the imagination that he's given us, I can begin to imagine, man, what must that have been like? What must that have been like, Mac? The waves tossing and I can smell the water And I can see the faith starting to bubble up in Peter. And I might have been thinking, don't you do it. Don't you do it, Peter. I see what you're, Peter, don't do that. Peter, you're going to climb out of the boat? Man, I hope not. I hope that is in modern day life, the way that it looks for us when we see somebody getting ready to do something like that, it's... Come on, Peter. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Jesus is calling you. Get out. You can do it. I long for that, don't you? I long for that. As I spend time studying His Word and reading the Scriptures, I am ready for this to come to life in the church today. Why aren't we seeing these types of things? today maybe maybe we're busy going about it all the wrong way maybe it's time to re-examine our going in Acts chapter 8 verse 4 it reads that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You know what had happened right before that verse? Right before they went preaching? Right before they were scattered from their homes and their families because they were being chased down to be arrested, to be beaten, to be imprisoned, and to possibly be killed? You know what happened right before they were scattered and went everywhere to go preach the word? Stephen had just gotten stoned. The very first martyr. Approximately 725,000 days ago, Maranatha, fellow homeschool parent. Yeah, did my research, Matt. About 725,000 days ago, the very first martyr. Stephen got stoned. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says, And they went everywhere preaching the word of God. Everywhere that they were scattered. I don't know that that's what they were praying for. I, I don't know that that's what they had necessarily seen as they had gathered together and discussed what doing ministry on behalf of the Messiah Of Yeshua, I I don't know that they had planned on Stephen giving his life for what he believed in. And to be clear, I pray that not a single one of us ever has to speak and defend our faith to that extent. It's not what I'm suggesting. But as I read these verses, I do have to get really honest with myself and ask the question Is that what my going looks like? An average lifespan of American today is about 78 years. Some of us in this room have already exceeded that expectation. Congratulations. Good on you. Keep eating your vegetables and getting lots of exercise. Drink lots of water and stay hydrated. Some of us are in that midway point, maybe a little bit past midway. Some of us on the front row variety, just, just getting out of the starting blocks, just getting out of the starting blocks. Age is just a number, ain't it, Pastor Kent? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that was his hint that maybe he's got a birthday coming up. So, yeah. Everybody remember Pastor Kent's birthday. So, 725,000 days ago, the first martyr. Approximately AD thirty-six. Depending on the site that you reference, it's somewhere around 32 to 36 the year. Just a couple years after Christ was crucified, just a couple years following his ministry, not all that long after is, is when historians tell us that persecution really broke out against the church. I don't know about you, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Acts 8-4. We wouldn't be here without Acts 8-4. They did some going. They did some going. And 725,000 days later, here we are. The average lifespan of an American, like I mentioned, is about 78 years, which is roughly 28,000 days. 28,000 days, stay with me, bear with me, A little bit of a numbers guy, just a little bit. 28,000 days represents about 4% of 725,000. So if you want to picture what your life represents in in regard to, not many of us talk in terms of 725,000 days. There's going to be a test when we get home. <laughs> roughly 4%. Your lifespan is roughly 4% of that time. I can tell you what those guys did with their 4%. I see it. I'm, I'm the benefactor of it. So are you. Have you ever wondered about this? Says Philip went. That's where that's where they're at in Acts chapter eight. Philip's headed out. They're scattered. They're going in different directions. How'd it land at me? Roughly twenty-five generations later. How'd it get to me? Who's going? Am I the benefactor of? Because I know what it is to know him. I know what it is to be saved. I know what it is to experience his forgiveness and his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness, his gentleness, his self-control. I know what it is to read in Hebrews 4.12 that His word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I know what it is to spend time in the secret place seeking him on my face and just basking as we've been learning about these first couple of weeks of the year. John 15, abide, abide, remain, wait. Love those times with the Lord. I love these corporate times of us getting to come together on a super, win, super Wednesday and, and worship together. It's who I am. And without Acts 8, 4, it looks entirely different for us, doesn't it? So here, here's my question, and here's where I go with this logic. Here's who God's created me to be. Who, who, who is going to miss out? Who, who is possibly going to miss out on what I experience in my relationship, my heavenly father, because I've not gone. Because I've not been going maybe the way that I ought. Maybe there was a, maybe there was a phone call that I was supposed to make. Maybe there was a time that I was supposed to to slow down. Maybe even now there's a a text that I need to send. Because life is hanging in the balance. Have Have we experienced his goodness and his grace and his presence for so long and it's been so good that we've started to take it for granted? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. When our Christianity doesn't line up and I can't rationalize it with the word of God. Lord, show me. Show me where, where my going needs to have some course correction. Lives are hanging in the balance. That's not a cliche. That's not something that we say flippantly or passively in order to try to muster up some sort of false motivation inside of the church just so that we can gather some tithes and some offerings. It's life and death. It's life and death. And Lord, forgive the American church today where we've missed it. God help us. God help us, show us. Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, allow that flame to be fanned. Fan into flames. Stir yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Ghost, he writes in Jude. You got 28,000 days. You got your 4%. What are we going to do with it? I was raised in an environment, and growing up over in Parsons, Kansas, where I, I have I have firsthand knowledge, and there are people who come to mind right now in, in my mind's eye that an entire life has passed. I've known them my entire life. And I've seen some of them go to the grave. And as I'm honest and I reflect on what Christianity looked like for them, there wasn't a whole lot of going. I think one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to lull us into sleep. And in, into believing and thinking that, that since we've received it, that, that that's the end all. That, you've, that you can stop there. You can woe up there. You've come to the altar. You've asked for forgiveness. You've confessed with your mouth. You've believed in your heart. You took one step further and got baptized in water. You prayed and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a year passed. And two years passed and five and ten and twenty. It's go time, church. The common statement, the common thread that, we, that you can see as you, as you visit with other Christians in the area and even across the country is you'll get everybody to nod their head in agreement. He's coming soon. Right. Come, Lord Jesus. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. There's signs, right? There's guys prophesying about it. There's teachings everywhere. But it just doesn't seem to press in the clutch and cause us to find a new gear. It's life and death, church. We've got going to do. Right here in Lamar, Missouri, there are people that are dying and going to a sinner's hell. And we shouldn't stand for it any longer. We shouldn't allow it. And I'm I'm speaking to me. I'm telling you that this was the word, this was what was on my heart yesterday morning as I woke up and I spent time seeking him. And I said, Really, Lord, this is the message? Come on, it's super Wednesday. Let's talk about faith. Hebrews eleven. This is important. This is important. Go to God, and thankfully the way to Him is not confusing. John fourteen six says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Go to God with your worship. Go to God with your thanksgiving. Go to God with your problems and challenges. Go to God with your sicknesses and diseases. Go to Him for wisdom and shelter from the storm. The very same way that He listened and heard the cries of the Israelites in their wandering, the very same way that he heard the laments of King David, and the prayers of his very son, he will listen to and hear you when you call upon his name. That's a promise he has made, and an answer to which is yes and amen. Amen. Go to God. Go to him. Go to him. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Go to him and give him praise. As Joel was reminding us during worship, go to him and thank him for all the ways that he's been faithful in your life. For all the ways that he showed up. For all the bounty and the abundance and the blessing. Go to him and thank him for the very salvation of your soul. Go to him and thank him for Acts chapter 8 verse 4. That when those guys started getting persecuted... They went and preached the word everywhere they went. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, the door will be opened. So keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And keep on knocking. So in addition to going to God, we also need to go with God. We go to him and we build ourselves up. We spend time getting to know him and we spend time making sure that he knows us. Go with God. Spend some time going to him, but now when it's time to go with him, make sure that in our going that he is there with us, among us in our midst, and we have not been guilty of getting our cart out in front of our horse. And that we're just out prophesying and that we're just out praying and that we're just out serving and doing things in Jesus' name, but we've not really connected with the Spirit of God to ensure that we're actually supposed to be doing it. Because without him, and as long as it's just a system of processes and and ticks and cross and T's and dot and I's, it just turns into religiosity. And it's void and it's empty and it doesn't have any impact and it's the very reason why Jesus came. And it's the very reason why he taught that I'm not interested in your sacrifices anymore. They're void and they're empty and you're just doing it just because you've been doing it. Let's not be that way, church. Sometimes going doesn't look or feel like the way that we think. The church persecution in Jerusalem following Stephen stoning most likely was not something that they had been praying for. For some, go looks like staying, lingering, Going to him in full assurance. For some, go looks like going into your purse or your wallet and giving some money to the church. You've been a little too stingy. For some, go looks like going to your neighbor and settling the dispute that you've had with him for the last two generations. For some, go looks like telling demons to flee in Jesus' name, go. For some, Go looks like getting out to church on a Wednesday. You made it, Isaac. I'm proud of you. For some, go looks like launching that new business endeavor. For some, go looks like saying goodbye to some relationships. For some, go looks like sending that text message, making that phone call, or sending that letter. I'm tired, I'm tired of, well, that's just the way it is, well, that's just the way he is, that's just the way she is, that's just the way it's going to be. When did our prayers turn into that? If we've come to that place and we believe those sort of things to be true, we've not spent time getting to know the very one that we've been praying to. Peter climbed out of the boat and walked on the water. It wasn't just the way it was. That's not just who he was. He did that in the power of what Jesus was calling him to. And he had spent time getting to know the very one who hung the stars in the sky. Up over the edge of the boat he went. He went. Praise God. And they went. And they were going. For some, go looks like going back to the word of truth again. I pray that tonight in Jesus' name, if that's you. If you're somebody who has confessed that you just can't sit down and read the Bible, hmm, let's not be that way. Let's not be that way. Go back to the word of truth again. If you're somebody who is in that place where you've been reading the Bible for so long that it's no longer relevant, no longer important, no longer a daily rhythm or part of your day, go back again. Go back again and get yourself stirred up. When did the Bible become a boring book? That's not the way it's supposed to be. Lame men walk, blind men see, sinners get forgiven. When go means wait, go ye therefore, but wait until the comforter comes. Um, Oakton Church has been doing some going, recognizing that to stay was wrong. It was time to go. Praise God. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I believe you do. What he's telling you to go do. What if all of us went? What if we were all going? What if the go and make disciples in Matthew 28 started to take hold in Barton County? All over southwest Missouri. What if it happened inside your home? Your place of work? It first has to take hold in your heart. We've got to get it right here and allow him to stir us up. And we've got to get back in the word of God again and realize that people are dying and going to hell. It is life and death. When he said to them depart from me I never knew you in Matthew 7:23, I think he was suggesting that there's an expectation that we need to stand out from the crowd. There's more to it than talking the talk, the walk needs to match. Do not rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rather that your names are written in heaven, Luke 10:20 says. They were doing all the right stuff, prophesying, delivering, performing miracles. We've got to stand out from the crowd the way that the woman with the alabaster jar of perfume stood out, lavished it on him, couldn't wait to dump out a year's worth of wages on the man that she knew could save her very soul. We need to stand out the way Peter stood out when he stood up and climbed over the edge of that boat. He wasn't just talking about it. The way the boy's father stood out when he said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. The way King David stood out when he danced before the Lord, and then came back and told Michael, his wife, when she ridiculed him from it from the window, just wait, I'm gonna look even more foolish than this. I'm going for it. The way the woman with the issue of blood stood out when she said, Oh, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. For thirty-eight years the man had laid next to that pool waiting for his healing. For 38 years, what did Jesus ask him? Do you want to be well? As we read that, 725,000-ish days later, we have the luxury of saying, man, what a crazy question. But he was speaking to that man's heart. Because for 38 years, he had just been doing the same thing. He had spent his 4% doing the same thing. He needed somebody to come along and shake him up and to point out that the issue was not that he wasn't making it down to the pool, but that he needed to look to the one that could heal him without the pool. Isaac was told by Abimelech in Genesis 26, 18 to go. He was sent out. Isaac had been blessed. He had stuff, boy. And Abimelech said, get out of here, you and all of your stuff. You've grown and profited and been too successful, go. Genesis twenty-six eighteen says that Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died and he gave him he gave them the same names that his father had given them we need to get back to the word of the god and open up some old wells it's time church it's go time yeah. isaac went and started digging get your shovel out my dad used to make us sharpen our shovels boy howdy we would do some digging He wasn't renting no backhoe, Larry. He said, You better go sharpen them shovels. And you know what he taught us about digging ditches? You know how you dig a 250 foot long ditch? One shovel at a time. That's how. And it's backbreaking work. And reaching the lost in our community, reaching your family, reaching your neighbor. Can be back breaking work, but it's important. We got going to do. It's time to dig. So, so, what are some common hindrances that get in the way of going? These are things that I've found to be true in my own life, and I just want to share a few with you. I get tired of waiting. I've been unemployed for four to five weeks. As a spiritual act of obedience, I have been unemployed for four to five weeks and I've been waiting on the Lord. I left my job at the end of last year because he told me to, because it had become an idol, because it was distracting me from spending time with him, because I was finding my identity and the title that I was carrying and the things that I was doing and the stuff that we were accomplishing. And he said, wait. I've been waiting for four weeks, and I'm getting impatient. Four weeks. Common hindrances that get in the way of going. We get tired of waiting. But wait. Isaiah 40 verse 1 says, but wait. Another common hindrance that gets in the way of my going, what I have isn't really all that important. What I've got to give isn't all that valuable. We'll tell that to the boy who had two fish and five loaves of bread. What I've got's not really that big of a deal. Don't let that stand in the way. It's not true. It's a lie. We take ourselves out of it. We talk ourselves out of it. Who told you that? Who told you that the next time you start to talk to yourself? Such a crazy thing to say, talking to yourself. Hey, are you paying attention? Okay. Isn't that a crazy thing to say, you was talking to yourself? Yes. Don't talk yourself out of it. Ask yourself instead the question, who told you that? That's what God said to Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. Who told you you were naked? Did you go and take from the tree that I told you not to go and take from? Who told you that? That didn't come from me. Learn to recognize the voice of your heavenly Father. Matthew twenty eight twenty and surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. Colossians 1, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope, somebody else's hope of glory is in you. You've got your 25,000 days. You've got your 4%. Somebody's counting on you. Somebody's counting on me. Somebody's. We wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. We already discussed and we've already decided and I saw a lot of head nods that we agreed that yeah, that, that persecution and that scattering that happened in the book of Acts, here we are. Here we are. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Go. Who's on the other side of your going? In both directions. If I were able to trace it back, those many Generations and figure out how it landed to my grandma and how she started taking my mom and uncle to church when they were little kids, and how that eventually filtered and carried over to her making sure that we were in church as we were growing up as a family. Man, if I could keep going back, was it Bartholomew? Was it Priscilla and Aquila? Who went on my behalf? I'm going to get to find out in heaven, I believe. I think our eyes are going to be open to a new reality and a new, a new sort of understanding that we've never even begun to scratch the surface of. And I'll be able to put that 25 generation genealogy together to figure out what happened after they all got scattered. Some of you in this room have been part of my story, of the going and encouraging me along the way. And I want to be that for you. I want to fan the flame. I want to encourage you on. We've got people to save, amen? Someone else had to go so that you could have the opportunity. Let's not look back from eternity and realize that somebody else went and did my going for me. I asked Miss Norma to have this video queued up. I told you that this came about yesterday morning as I was sitting in my desk and I wrote at the top of my notepad, go. An hour or so later, my, my wife came in, and she said, hey, check out this video that your son made yesterday, Monday. So um, I've edited it down a little bit. I think it's about four minutes. Uh, Miss Norma, when you're ready, we're going to watch this video, and then I'm going to be back with you to wrap it up. Hey, guys,
1: welcome back. We're doing another devotional. Chapter 26 in Leviticus, verse 13. All right, the verse is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. So I'm going to talk about what that means to me is, um, is he broke the slavery off of us. And you may be thinking, no, that's in the land of Egypt. That was talking to the Israelites, and he got them out of slavery. But what that, what he's, it means that, and what it also means is, it can refer to us today. It can be, he broke our slavery. We do not have to be, Um. we don't have to have the shame and the sin of, and Jesus took that away from us by dying on the cross. He was—he died on the cross to take our sin away. He took our shame, our slavery, and we don't have to have shame, fear, and he. It said, "I broke the bars of slavery," and so that means we were took, all of our sin and shame and slavery was taken away by Jesus by dying on the cross. And also, it means that he broke. He took it away. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't have to worry about, oh, what am I... And we don't have to carry the burden. We don't have to carry the burden of our sin and shame of us carrying that. Jesus took it. You can tell other people about that. You guys may be hearing this devotional and being, okay, that's good, but you just... Check that off your list. Okay, I heard a devotional. I read the word of God today. But that's not all. Are we doing a good enough job of telling other people about Christ? Are we trying actually to tell people that Jesus died on the cross, he saved you, he took all your sin away? Because there are people out this, out there, I know this might be hard to believe, but there are people out there that are carrying that burden because they think, There's no one that loves me. No one can save me. I've done way too bad of things. I have done so much bad that my shame and my sin, no one can take it. But are we doing a good enough job of saying and going out and going to tell other people? Like in Mark, it says, go out into all nations, baptizing them and making in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit all of us and do i'm not saying you i'm not saying just me i'm not saying your neighbor all of us need to go out there and go and preach the good gospel about to all people not oh that guy he's been in prison for 10 years and he's not my friend anymore well He might be the one person that needs it the most. You need to, we all need to go out there, preach the good gospel, tell them that their sins are forgiven, Jesus died on the cross, and that we don't have to carry the sin and shame anymore. Because I don't think that we're doing a good enough job, like we don't know whenever Jesus is coming back. It could be today, it could be right this second, it could be tomorrow, it could be in five years. But we don't know whenever he's coming back.
0: So again, he recorded that Monday. And uh, did you hear the word go in there at all? Mm -hmm. I think the the young man's got got some going he's going to go do. I could be wrong. Revelation 7, 9, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. I want to end with that tonight. I want to end with that picture of heaven as as maybe a perspective shift for us maybe maybe it's a perspective shift for us tonight that we've come out on a cold wintry february 1st in 2023 is maybe it's just a perspective shift that's that's my goal that's my prayer not not pulling any punches no secret agenda But that we would walk back out of this place different than the way that we walked in, being challenged by a sending God that wants us to go into all the world and make disciples. And if for no other reason than the fact that we're the byproduct of somebody already doing it. Aren't you thankful? I am. My son didn't know I was going to play that video. I couldn't help it. Young people, the church needs you. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. It takes us all. Youngest to oldest and everybody in between. If you're in your your golden years, your sunset years, and you've started to be convinced that maybe there's just not anything left for you to do, who told you that? We need you. Our community needs us. There's brokenness Despair. Everybody nods their head and agrees. It's everywhere. It's not been trending back in a positive direction, at least not in the 42 year perspective that I have. In the short 42 year perspective that I have, I wouldn't recognize a modern day high school walking up and down the hallways. It's changing quick. We've got work to do, church. So go, because it's go time. Go in Him. Go with Him. Go dig up some old wells. Get back in the Word of God again and believe Him who is faithful. Believe Him who said, come on out, Peter. Come on out. It's important. Nobody else... Can be husband to Billy, but me. Nobody else can be dad to those five children sitting over there in that pew, but me. I've got going to do. Nobody else can do your going for you. Lord, help us. That's my altar call, and as I close tonight, if you want to respond to it, feel free. Uh, I don't know if we have any more any more worship. We would love to if we've got a few minutes. Um, we're doing okay on time but I think it'd be important for us to spend some time going to the Father. Check your heart before him tonight. Let's fan our flame, stir something up and not look at our community and not look at our family and not look at our neighborhoods and our places of employment the same way that we have. So God, I pray that right now in this moment, you would give us eyes and ears to hear Lord, I'm so struck by those words in Revelation as I read the letters to the churches and you wrap up each and every one of them by saying, let those with, with ears to hear, hear and understand. God, you wouldn't say it if there was the possibility that I could hear it and not understand. And so in the same way that we, that we read your word and that we need to have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, God, I pray that in our community, in our going in our, in our morning routines, passing through the drive-thrus, hopping through the gas stations, in and out of our offices and places of work, and scrolling through our inboxes, God, that you would give us eyes and ears to see the world around us from your perspective. God, I'm thankful for Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that after persecution... They went everywhere and preached everywhere they went as they were scattered. They preached everywhere they went. God, show us that that doesn't have to look like having a a five-point sermon. We don't have to have polished theology. We just have to have compassion. We just need to be able to see the way that you see and to hear the way that you hear. God, embolden us. Give us courage. I believe, Lord. I believe that right here in this room tonight, within the sound of my voice and those watching online, God, that there is potential, heavenly potential to change lives, to change the course and direction of history, to, to change the trajectory of somebody's life that, that might otherwise be headed for a sinner's hell, a very real place. God, I pray that we would learn to hear and to know your truth, that as good sheep, we would recognize the voice of our good shepherd. Holy is your name. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen.